Well, I should start by saying hello to everyone. It's, uh, I've had a couple of weeks off and uh, it's nice to be back. I'm feeling pretty refreshed and uh, there's a few others I can see around I know who have been away as well. So if you're back for the first week after a little uh, January break, it's great to have you back and uh, uh, it's good to be back uh, hearing prayer, hearing worship, being part of community and, uh, and preaching the word. So um, uh, if, also, if you're visiting here, it's great to have you here as well. Um, we're, uh, let, me, well let me start with a story. Uh, some of you would know, uh, last year, um, my family, we, we went to uh, Vietnam, and uh, we were up in the mountains for a couple of days in an area called Sapa, and we were trekking. We were, we were hiking. Trekking sounds a bit more um, flash, so just really going for a hike. Uh, but we were with a, with a guide, so there was the five of us and, uh, and our, our guide, uh, Lan, um, and we were, we were walking mainly on roads, and, but we, we cut through one day just before lunch because uh, we were going to go and have lunch at um, uh, her mum's house, at the house she had grown up in. And so we, we actually cut through a rice paddy, and it was on a hillside, so they were uh, um, tiered is the right word. Terrace would be another word, probably a better one, thank you. Um, it's like Scrabble or something. <laughs> and anyway, um, there was the six of us walking along, the five of us in our guide, and, and we had the rice paddy on one side, so it was just a little, a little walkway, and on the other side, uh, quite a drop-off where it was terraced, and uh, we sort of heard this little cry, and suddenly instead of there being six of us, there were five of us, and to- Tommy was no longer with us. <laughs> Um, he had uh, just slid down this uh, muddy embankment and, and just, he was gone. And um, so he tried to climb out, and, uh, but it was, you know, when, when it's just hard, wet mud and, and the more you claw at it, it just makes it worse. And uh, there was no way he could get out. And he needed us to lift him out. And this morning I'm sharing a psalm which is about how God lifts us out uh, of the pit uh, when we find ourselves in the pit, which we all do. And uh, I want to share a psalm that really takes, uh, will take you, if you are a follower of Jesus, right back to the very start of your journey, the very heart of your faith, when God rescued you. And I want to share about that. And so we're going to do that by looking at a psalm uh, called Psalm 40. And this is part of a very short series we've done called Summer Psalms. And uh, it's one of my favourite psalms in what is probably my favourite book in the Bible. And not just mine, but uh, as I shared when I preached last time, Psalms is the most frequently read book of the Bible. And the Bible apps that a lot of people have measure how often different books are viewed, and Psalms is the most read book of the Bible. And I myself would not go a week without reading from the Psalms. Psalms is just uh, daily bread for me that I read all the time. Now, this particular Psalm, Psalm 40, I learnt to love and, and found out about in a, a roundabout kind of a way, because I'm a fan of the band U2. Any U2 fans here? Very good. And uh, I'm a big fan of U2. I was just getting into U2 when I was um, 
just kind of in uh, just young adult kind of stage. And I had a, a live CD, and the closing track on that was a song called 40, which uh, someone explained to me was based on Psalm 40. So because I liked this track, I had to then, I, I looked up the psalm, and I grew to love the psalm. Now, as a U2 fan, um, I haven't often had an opportunity to play a U2 song in church, but I thought if you might uh, humour me or entertain me, you know, the psalms are meant to be sung, not spoken. So why don't we start off with, uh, and I'll just introduce this, this is the closing song from the uh, Chicago concert of the Vertigo Tour of U2, and traditionally, U2 close their concerts for many, many years, they always closed with this song. And then they would leave the stage and, and the crowd would continue to sing, how long to sing this song. I find this very powerful. There we go. We'll leave it there. That's good. A few Guti fans in the room, so oh, I reckon that's so good. Let me read. Let me read to you Psalm 40. You want me to sing it? 
I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trust is in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Uh, many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you plan for us. None can compare with us. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings, sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. That They are more than the hairs on my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, for the uh, beauty and the, the, the wonder of your word. Thank you that every single part of it is God-breathed. Thank you for the Psalms and the, these honest cries that we see that come from uh, someone in relationship with you, sharing in all honesty about their life and their feelings and the real things that they're going through. So I pray, Lord, that uh, we won't simply um, uh, be informed this morning, but be transformed as your word moves us, as your spirit speaks through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't need to be in, uh, in, in, in big lights. Can you put the lights back on? That'd be great. A um, little background first. Um, there are 150 Psalms in, in the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalms is broken up, however, into three books within the, the whole book, if that makes sense. And book one of Psalms uh, is Psalm 1 to Psalm 41. So if you've got a Bible there, you'll see after Psalm 41, it'll, it'll say book two starts. The last uh, um, four or five Psalms, Psalm 37 to 41, uh, are the final group of, the, of book one. And they all have a shared theme. They are all Psalms of deliverance. They are Psalms when David is crying out for uh, God's deliverance in a situation that he's in. Um, 
and, and the two of them, and Psalm 40 being one of them, Psalm 40 also starts off by actually sharing how God has saved him. So it's kind of a funny one. It's like he's, he starts off in verse 1 to 10 saying, God, you have saved me, and, and this is a testimony of my salvation. And then he says, and now, God, I really need you. <laughs> I need you again um, to save me in the situation that I'm in. But I want to focus just on the first three verses, uh, that, that very heart of the testimony of David's salvation, which is actually also what Bono was singing about. Uh, this message that God has lifted us out of the pit, the pit that we cannot get out of on our own. Uh, not only that, he's lifted us out and he's set our feet on a rock. He's given us a secure place from which to live our lives. And then not only that, that out of lifting us out and after setting us on a rock, he's placed a song, a song in our mouth, which is a hymn of praise. To our God. I want to talk about those uh, three things. Take us back to the heart of our faith. So the first verse, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. Now, quite clearly, David here is, is using metaphor. The Psalms are full of metaphor. He's not talking about a literal pit. He's talking about the fact that God has lifted him and saved him, and rescued him, and delivered him. It's a testimony of faith. question is, what is David talking about? What is the rescue that he's speaking about? Uh, David at times called for deliverance from his enemies, uh, at times called for deliverance from situations that he was going through. But particularly here, and particularly in these Psalms, we see that he's referring specifically to, to rescue uh, from sin. And from, uh, he's asking for God to rescue him from his sin. If we go back to uh, Psalms, to Psalm 38, uh, it's pretty clear. It says, um, Because of your wrath, there's no health in my body. There's no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. And uh, later in Psalm 40, in verse um, 11, it says, Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me. And so we see that the context of, the broader context of deliverance in these Psalms is deliverance because of his sin. And he ties, in fact, his own suffering to uh, the situation often that he has caused um, the choices that he has made. David is in the pit and he needs rescue for his sin. And we kind of know when we look at um, the scripture what it means for those who are in the pit. The Bible's not really um, fuzzy about what it looks like and, and what it means to be in the pit because of sin. In 1 Thessalonians or 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, uh, speaking about when God judges every person. It says, He will punish those who do not know God and who do not, do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and they will be shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. That's what it is to be in the pit because of sin. There's kind of stuff that our society doesn't want to talk about these days that we find hard to discuss uh, sin is not a, a, an in-topic to talk about, but sin is a reality 
that we find ourselves in if we are not rescued by Jesus. That's the, that's the, the, the heart of reality of Scripture, what's revealed in it. And this is the pit that David in. David knew that without God, there was no way out of this pit. He knew that he couldn't claw his way out. He couldn't climb his way out. He couldn't bargain his way out. He couldn't negotiate his way out. He couldn't find a system. He couldn't earn his way out. When he was in the pit, he needed God to rescue him. And so David uh, cries out to God. And the testimony that he shares is that when he cries out to God and when he waits for the Lord, the Lord turns and hears his cry. And this too is our story. And this morning, kind of simple really, I just want to remind you, I want to take you right back to the very first time that if you are a follower of Jesus, that there was a point, maybe it was through a process, maybe it was a moment, but there was a time when God rescued you. There was a point when God rescued you. There was a point when God rescued me. And like David, there was a point when you realized you needed a savior. That the pit that you were in, you weren't able to crawl out of or climb out of or bargain your way out of or earn your way out of, but you needed a savior. And just as God, just as God turned and heard David's cry and turned his face. You know, the, that great prayer that I often uh, pray in, in various situations, uh, always at funerals, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious, uh, Lord, uh, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. It's such a beautiful thing, I think, this image that God is personal, God is a loving Father, and when we cry out, it's not just that He's sort of on high, makes some decree, but this idea that God turns His face towards us. If you've come to know the grace of God in your life, at some point, God turned His face towards you and heard your cry and lifted you out of the pit. Amen? Amen. Um, and we have been saved. We've been saved by grace and by grace alone through, of course, the, the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. Now, Psalm 40 is quoted in Hebrews 10. Psalm 40 is quoted in Hebrews when the, when the writer of Hebrews is, you, is seeking to describe how Jesus is a once and for all sacrifice for sin. And in doing that, the, psalm, uh, the, the, the writer of Hebrews refers all the way back to this psalm here, Psalm 40, talking about how sacrifices and offerings you did not require. And it goes on to say that Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice. That we're not, we don't get out of the pit by making sacrifices or offerings. That, you know, we collect an offering this morning. That offering doesn't get you out of a pit. But actually, it is Jesus, a once and for all sacrifice the means by which we come out of the pit. And I know that everything I'm saying you know if you're a Christian. But I also know we forget. I also know we lose sight of the joy and of the wonder and of the glory and of the hope that comes from the fact that Jesus lifted us from the pit. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you have been lifted out. God has heard your cry and, turned and lifted you out of that pit. And you've got a story that I want you to remember. My story, uh, 
My story was that I grew up in a Christian home and a, a family where we were in church every Sunday. And so I knew the stories and I could quote the scriptures and I knew in church how to sing the songs and how I could look like a Christian. But you know, looking like a Christian and knowing the Bible stories doesn't make you a Christian. And when I was in my teenage years, I began to wrestle with really the decision I would make about whether I would choose to follow Jesus or not. It probably wasn't as clear to me at that time, but I was figuring out what am I about and who am I going to follow and what am I going to believe. And there was a few times I went to a conference or I went to an Easter camp and I'd hear a speaker and the speaker would give me an opportunity to come forward or raise my hand or pray a prayer and I would sit there and I would wrestle with that, but I didn't do it. And time again, I was given this opportunity. And through that time, I was living a life, a a bit of a teenage, fairly brief and um, not that outrageous, but a teenage rebellion kind of life. Uh, And I was rebellious to God. But I could still walk into church and look like I I fitted because I'd had that upbringing. But uh, finally, uh, on a camp at Normanville, the first year of university, I went on an introduction, orientation camp. And, uh, and I, was, I was finally, the speaker spoke to me in a way that just connected. It was God spoke through that speaker. And I was convinced of, convicted of my absolute need to repent and turn to Jesus. And uh, there's, a, there's a camp down at Normanville on top of a hill there, if you've ever been there. And, and I remember, it was 25 years ago, I remember that moment when I made that decision. I said, Jesus, I give my life to you. I need, I repent. And I need your forgiveness. And in that moment, Jesus lifted me out of the pit and set my feet on a rock. And I wonder if you, the last time, when the last time was when you remembered your story about how God did that. Might have happened in a moment, might have happened over a process, might have happened dramatically, might have happened very gently. It doesn't really matter. Just that you came at some point in your life to know that you had been lifted out of the pit. And you have got a story. And this morning, I want to encourage you to remember your story. It's so powerful to remember your story. Secondly, I want, to, I want you to know that you are secure. I want you to know that you are secure. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He set my feet on a rock. He set your feet when he lifted you out on a rock and he gave you a firm place to stand. Uh, this, uh, this scripture just, just takes me straight to uh, another scripture, Jesus' words in Matthew 7, when he speaks about the parable of the wise and foolish builders. There's such a, a direct link here. That passage says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it's like a wise man who builds his house on the, on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the? It had its foundations on the? Thank you for the 10 of you who contributed to that. And, uh, um, but, um, yeah, but then the the foolish man um, is the man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. David's psalm starts off with this, with this wonderful declaration about how God has saved him, but goes on to say, God, you know what? 
I really need you again. I really need you again. And there are many times in our life when we might know that we are saved, but we, we need God's help. We need God's help. There are many times when a storm might come against us in our lives, and we might wonder, God, you know, how secure am I really? I don't know that I can stay standing here. I don't know that I can withhold this storm. I don't know that I've got the strength. I don't know that my feet are secure enough to get by. Like the cry in U2's song, how long till I'll be able to sing this song again of your salvation? And the answer really that I want to just really affirm this morning is that no matter what situation you are going through or no matter what situation you will come against you in 2020, I just want you to know that you have actually had your feet set on the rock and you are secure. And so no matter how hard the storm is and no matter how long it prevails for, you actually will stand through the storm if you stand on the rock which is where you've been set. So know that you are secure. If you face that situation, if you're in it right now, or if you're in a situation this year that comes against you, you're like, man, I am being tested like never before. I am like, I am on the edge of thinking I'm going to be swept away by this. Know you are secure. Draw strength and confidence. And you can do that from saying, I've actually got my feet set on the rock. And I've been placed there and I've been given a firm place to stand. And therefore, I will not fall because it's not about me trying to find a place. It's about the fact that God has set you in that place. Know that you are secure. Does it stop working? There we go. Know that you're secure on the rock. Last point. Uh, Last point is this. Uh, When you know that you have um, been lifted from the pit and when you know that you are set on a rock, it leads naturally to the to the final point, if we go to that, which is um, the scripture, first hymn. Yep, uh, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. So the third point is, uh, is this, um, sing your song, if we can go to that. Sing your song, sing your song. Um, I was thinking about this, this idea that God puts a song in our mouth and, uh, and it's a beautiful song. And um, I was thinking how our society, I feel like, has become a shouty society, particularly if you're on social media. We've become a shouting society. People like to shout. They like to shout opinions, criticism, judgment, name-calling, and sometimes the church have been shouty. Sometimes the church have been shouters. They've been the ones who have been doing the judgment. Whenever we sit in that place, the church, I think, is diminished in its, in its effectiveness of its mission and its ministry. But we're not called to be shouters. We're called to be singers. We're called to be singers. God's put a song in our mouth. And a song is beautiful. When someone sings a song, it's beautiful. To be honest, more beautiful when some sing than others. Um, you know, sometimes you have someone sitting next to you or behind you or around you and they're singing and you're just like, you're just like, oh, wow, that's beautiful. And then if you're sitting around me, you might be going, that's not so beautiful. Um, but, it, but if you think about the song as a metaphor, everyone has got a song that's been put in their mouth. And that song is a beautiful song. 
because it's a hymn of praise to God. And, and really what David speaks about, he goes on to say stuff like, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal, I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. And really, I think we need to take a leaf out of David's book. And basically, the, the third point, the application is sing your song. Sing your song. And I think when we speak, sing, sing words of hope, when we speak words of life, when we speak words of encouragement, and when we're actually willing to speak praise to God and speak about his goodness and what he's done in our lives and speak about the goodness of God, well, that's a beautiful word. That's a beautiful song. And, and sometimes we get wrestled about how are we going to go about sharing our faith and doing this? Just sing your song about what God has done for you and how you've discovered that God is a wonderful, loving God who has turned to you and turns his face towards you, has lifted you out. And if you sing that song, then it's a beautiful song and it's far better. And in a world that's shouting, I believe a beautiful song is what people need to hear and will we'll be heard and will be understood. Uh, let me get back to... Um, to Tommy in the, in the rice paddy. Sorry, Tommy, I just warned you that I was going to share about you in the sermon. Uh, we didn't leave Tommy there. He's in the room. Uh, we could have. Uh, but of course, once we saw he was down there and once we saw he couldn't get out, uh, obviously, we lifted him out. And it actually took a fair bit of effort. It took quite some time. It became quite a, uh, uh, an experience of our holiday because it was really, really difficult. And in the end, we had you know, several people grabbing one arm each and different people grabbing. And we were, we were finding a way. But we lifted him out and we set him back on the path. And then we, we went and had lunch. <laughs> uh, and... Um, and this morning, I guess I just want to ask, do you need to remember your story? Do you need to remember your story about how God lifted you out of the pit, out of the mud and mire, and he washed us clean, and he put you on his path? And, and Or secondly, do you, do you really this morning need to draw hope and encouragement and confidence from knowing that you have actually been put on a firm foundation and that you are secure? Or... Finally, do you need to take out of this message that you need to find your voice to sing the song that God has put uh, in your mouth, the new song? When I got here this morning, I was really touched to look across and see uh, over here on the side this beautiful, very simple but very beautiful artwork, um, which, which Brenton Hill did and, and, uh, and displayed a couple of years ago, and I haven't seen it for a while. But it's very beautiful, and, and I'm, I guess, uh, uh, the interpretation's in the, in the eye of the interpreter, but you've got this brokenness, all these pieces of, of brokenness here. Um, but then you've got raised up this beautiful image, um, the, the broken pieces, but then this whole piece of the hand lifting up and lifting out. And it's so simple, but I think it's so beautiful. And it's, a, it's actually a, an artwork about Psalm 40. And I just thought, that's just wonderful to see that there. Um, what do you need to take out of this morning? 
I guess the last thing to say is that maybe this morning you realize that you don't have that story. That you've never asked to be lifted out of the pit. And I guess most people here have, and maybe, but maybe there's someone who hasn't. And I just want to say that if that's you this morning, and if this morning is your morning to say yes to Jesus, that you want to uh, repent and turn to him and be lifted out of that pit. If you've realized, I'm in the pit and I need to be lifted out. The beauty is that if you cry to Jesus this morning, he will turn to you and he will lift you out and he will set your feet on the rock. And it happens because of his grace and his love, not because of your works or your actions, but simply turning to him. If you want to turn to him this morning, he will receive you and he will lift you. Let me pray uh, as we finish this message. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.